Hello, everyone. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi, Jinx, with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, our guest is actor, writer, producer, and dare I say, old friend, Michael Yuri. He and I talk about... Um, Broadway divas that he's encountered in his illustrious career, as well as hypothesize who would be on a Mount Rushmore for gay TV performers. (laughs) It sounds crazy, but wait until you hear it in the episode. Today on Hi Jinx. Forever. everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today, we are joined by actor, director, and producer, Michael Yuri. Hi, Michael. Hi, Jinx. How are you doing today? I'm great. It's so nice to see you. Thank you so it's much nice for having me. It's nice to see you, me. too. It's been years yes. and years since we've seen each other. Yes, I say. Yeah. <laughs> it must have been, um, I, I, I think, really the only time we've interacted in physical space was for um, your show Cocktails and Classics. Yes. I believe um, it was the Poseidon Adventure episode. The Poseidon Adventure and, and Winches of Eastwick. We oh recorded two that day. <gasps> oh, my gosh. And uh, what's her name was with us for the Witches of Veronica Eastwick? Cartwright. Veronica Cartwright. <laughs> she, okay, so I, of course, was obsessed <laughs> with her. I've always been obsessed with that movie. She was dynamic that day. Yes, she was. <laughs> what a lovely word to use. <laughs> she was so dynamic. And um, I just remember, you know, being kind of like in awe of yeah. her just being there, but then also like, wow, she really, she really wants to talk about this movie. Yeah, she had you know, she was <laughs> She wasn't just giving us little like behind the scenes asides or anything she was like telling us the dramaturgical work she had done for her character filling us in and in all sorts of ways all kinds of stuff that that didn't make it to the movie but (laughs) (laughs) which but but, you know like like watch she's so good in that movie and in everything but like when you watch that movie you're like oh yeah i guess somebody does have to work that hard to churn out a performance this detailed and this like rich and the obstacles she had to fight against like puking up cherry pits and and being in a cast for half of her role um (laughs) but i just yeah she was very cool um i just remember you know it was that day it was veronica cartwright's show and you were just a guest on it (laughs) that's absolutely (laughs) you know and uh, i remember her saying um 
her saying, Jack always referred to me as the fourth witch. That was my, that's the part that stands out to me the most. Is, <laughs> and, and she was so earnest and she would lean in talking about it. And, you know, and if you think about it, I really was the fourth witch, like the witch that completed the spell. And I was just like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, we were all like, uh-huh, uh-huh, you were cat <laughs> at Veronica Cartwright. And then, do you know that before we started, when we, when she and I first met, Michael Musto um, always reminds me of this. Um, when we first met, she was like, I wanted you to know that I saw you uh, on stage in Los Angeles in Buyer and Seller, which is this one person play that I did for a really long time. Yeah. I did it in Los Angeles. She goes, I saw you in Buyer and Seller and I liked it. <laughs> In that tone. In that and tone. I don't care what they say. I liked it. <laughs> Emphasis on the I. I liked it. <laughs> Thanks, Veronica. Um, oh, if you're listening, Veronica, we love you. <laughs> um, I, I could only hope to aspire to be a Veronica Cartwright oh. in, in some facet someday. Oh and thank you for bringing up Buyer and Seller because it was something I was going to talk to you about. Um, I never got to see you in Buyer and Seller, but you are the definitive name in in that show buyer and oh. seller <laughs> oh, and sure. i have a um a weird very humbling memory associated with that play because i was asked to well this is what i was told by my management you've been asked to star in buyer and seller in a local production of it um do you have time to meet with the director and the producer this weekend so i meet with the pre- director and producer on a on a um, it was before Zoom, so I don't know. We must have just been using plain old Skype back in the day. And here I am thinking we're just going to talk about like the direction they're going to go, you know, ideas for the character. And I thought it was weird when on the Skype call they started asking me to read certain sides. And Ooh. then the director asked me in many different ways, like um, if I would cut my hair and I was like, you know, kind of pushing back because I thought, you know, I'm starring in the show. I have some leverage here. I can say what I want to do and don't want to do with my hair. And it was just this kind of, you know, interesting conversation. Didn't wow. think anything of it. And then like two days later, I get an email saying, so they've decided to go a different direction. <laughs> and I was like, is this because I wouldn't cut my hair? And they were like, no, um, they liked your audition. And I was like, audition? <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, and I, <laughs> that, that has happened to me a few times where it's it's it comes in as an offer. Uh-huh. And then suddenly it's like, but you have to do this, like a meeting or the, the and, and like, sometimes it's been like, I've, I've, it's been an offer based on a meeting and then the meeting happens and then you don't get it. And you're like, well, wait, I never even acted. You didn't like me. It wasn't the work. You didn't like me. How could anyone not you, not like you, Michael oh. Yuri? You're so pleasant. <laughs> maybe that was the problem we didn't like that he was <laughs> they needed a real jackass for this role <laughs> now my listeners will know you from many many things i have a short little list of some notable moments for you um you acted in ugly betty the good wife modern family you were a judge on drag race you were on mm. hot in cleveland and in younger 
of of the shortlist I just um, mentioned, I would assume Ugly Betty um, is probably one of your biggest standout roles. And it sounds like there's a funny story behind that because I recently saw you on Instagram posted something saying that you were meant to be in one episode, but Vanessa Williams liked you so much that your character then just became a mainstay on the show. Is that correct? (laughs) You are correct. That's right. That is the truth. She is the reason that I had, you know, such a a major role on the show. When when I was cast, I was cast as... uh, So I I played her assistant... And I was cast before she was, actually. And I was a co-star, um, which if you, you know, know like how television credits go down, co-star uh, on a drama show is credited at the end of the show and it's less than guest star. So like if you're watching Law & Order, the guest star is the suspect and the co-star mm-hmm. is the person who says <laughs> they went that way. <laughs> and I was a co-star. <laughs> and, From now uh, on, I want all TV things described to me in law and order terms. <laughs> that made perfect sense to me. It resonated with me perfectly. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I've, I've been working on that one for many years. Um, and so I was the co-star. I was in a few scenes, though. I mean, it was it was it was not a it was not quite a tiny little one, you know, three line part or something like that. It was. I had a few scenes, and I had scenes, you know, with with all the main characters. But the idea was that every episode she would have a new assistant. Like she was so impossible to work for. She would never, she couldn't keep an assistant (laughs) so that I would. So, so so like I would only be in the first one. And then the next episode, it would be somebody else. And, um, and I was like, fine, no, no big deal. I'm just happy to have this job. I'm happy to be here for a few days. I'll put this on my, you know, reel or whatever. (laughs) Um, I'll make some, I'll make a little bit of money and not as much money as a, guest star would make <laughs> certainly not as much money as the series regular would make and um and i had a bunch of ideas i came in with a bunch of ideas um of course and uh, as you can imagine because um i'm a you know overacting ham and so <laughs> i thought i thought this guy's obsessed with her he 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 thinks she's the the great and also i did i i bef- i didn't know it was vanessa until the, the night before the, the second ad called oh, me wow and was like, okay, so you're tomorrow, you're coming in, um, you're shooting, you'll be shooting a scene uh, with uh, Wilhelmina. Uh, the role of Wilhelmina will be played by Vanessa Williams. <laughs> suddenly, the second AD turned into like the announcer of the Tonight Show. And uh, I was like, oh my God, Vanessa Williams, how exciting. He's like, yeah, can you believe it? And so the next day, the, my first scene with her was me injecting Botox into her forehead, um, pretend, <laughs> pretending to inject Botox into her forehead. And 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 and, and she, we met in the trailer. She was getting, she was, you know, in the makeup trailer. She was getting makeup on, and she looked over and she saw me, and she's like, "Hey, are you Mark?" I was like, "Yes, <laughs> yes, I'm. Hello, I'm, I'm Mark." That was my character's name. Um, I, and... I thought she was just approximating your actual name. <laughs> she's like, "Gay man over there, are you Mark?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, I'm, I'm playing Mark. I'm, okay, I'm so excited to meet you. I'm so happy to be your assistant." And so one of the ideas, so she was really cool from the beginning, really cool. And, and one of the ideas I had was like, "He's obsessed with her. He's a sycophant. Um, he wants to be her. What if?" 
I mimicked her physically. So I had this mm. idea that like anything she did physically, I would do physically. And I was usually like staged right behind her. You know, we'd walk into a scene and, and, and I was usually like right, right behind over her shoulder. And so I was just doing this. I was like doing all these things physically behind her. Anytime she would look, I would look when she would sit <laughs> down, I would sit at the same, you know, rate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and then somebody told, I didn't tell her I was doing this. I was just doing it. And I said, you know, some, if, if they don't like it, they'll tell me to stop doing it. And somebody told her, like a wardrobe person or somebody, they were like, they went over to her and they were like, you know what that queen's doing behind you? <laughs> he is back there mimicking everything you do. And she was like, really? And she walked over to me and she said, I hear you're doing what I'm doing behind me. What else can I do that you can do? And suddenly she's asking me to give her ideas for physicality that then yeah. I could repeat. And we became, and, that, and like in that moment, we became a team. She, she like mm-hmm. reached out and she, and, and like that, that queen was that, you know, that wardrobe person, whomever that was, was like, was like, you know, throwing me under the bus. Yeah. They thought they were throwing me under the bus. And instead it was actually giving, make, giving me a friend and an ally. Yeah. And Vanessa immediately became my advocate Mm -hmm. and so instead of saying things like don't do that this is my moment she would say things like if you stand a little bit closer to me you'll be in this shot like things (laughs) that i wouldn't know because i was so green i didn't know where the camera was pointing (laughs) she'd be like if you just come over here it doesn't matter just come over here that doesn't matter that that's your mark if you stay in here you'll be in this you'll be in my shot and suddenly Mm -hmm. i'm in her shot in the background of her (laughs) shot and by the end of the uh, pilot i was put in a cast photo and and I was and then and then when the show got picked up, I was made a series regular, and that's really because of her. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, she she gets so much of that credit. I mean, obviously, like I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't screwing it up, and our chemistry was was clear. But she could have very. I mean, you can think of divas. Oh yeah, no, that was extremely generous of her, and it's really cool to hear that part of the story. Um, and I hope the young actors listening to this podcast whoever they may be mm-hmm. heard that story and took notes because you know when when you're given a smaller part or say you're just like a, a co-star for one episode and you're saying to yourself how can I make the most out of something smaller how can I like really inform a character so that no matter how many lines I have I'm bringing my absolute best and in some cases you know like how can I get my part more airtight? I'm yeah. I'm constantly thinking like if I have a small part, like what can I do that's gonna make this small part what can I do that's gonna make them wish this part was bigger? Yeah. And right. a, a big part of that is not just, you know, deciding, oh, this person's crazy for cocoa puffs or this person's like really loud, you know, but giving yourself an action, a playable action that you can lean into and something that you can rely on and like, you know, uh, perform consistently take after take after take. It sounds like you found the magic moment and then um, Vanessa Williams being a generous (laughs) grandstanding diva um, invited (laughs) you in with that. And 
there you go. You know, I um, would say about, about <laughs> you, my experience with you, I know we really only worked together that one time, but that is my experience of you on Cocktails and Classics. And Cocktails and Classics <laughs> was not a scripted show. It was a silly movie watching show, but it, there was still like a structure and a way of doing things. And you came in, You, you I think you were only with us one day. We did two movies yeah. on one day. And I would yeah. say of the people who only did one day with us, of which there were many, nobody got it as quickly and <laughs> as as uh, uh, fully as you did. You had such. You came in with. You came in with tons of ideas, and you ran with any idea we threw at you. <laughs> and you did. You didn't. But you didn't like take focus because that's the other thing. It's like when you're when you're when you're a part of when you're a cog in a wheel. Yeah. You can't like steal the show. I mean, you might steal the show, but you can't intend to steal the show because that will never work. It'll it'll backfire. But if you yeah, might, ac oh, you no, might go on. you know, you might accidentally steal the show, <laughs> but you can't like go in and 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 like say I'm going to take this and 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 you just have to when you when it cuts to you when they when they look at you you have to be ready and on it. And yeah. that's what I remember. <laughs> I remember every time I looked over at you when we were making those two episodes, you had something amazing going on. <laughs> I can't tell you um, how nice it is to hear that all these years later. Um, first, I want to talk on what you just mentioned. But yeah, when, you, when you're trying to make it in this biz, it's walking that tightrope of standing yeah. out, but not like... Um, uh, encumbering what everyone's doing. You know, right. you, can't, you can't let your bits be so much that you're like slowing things down because anything that causes hiccups in a filming schedule, you right. know, it could be hilarious, but some people will just get annoyed that you're taking extra time to do whatever weird little thing you've created for yourself. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it's about making those moments impactful without like derailing the production. But what I'll say, and the only, only reason I feel comfortable confessing this to you <laughs> All these years later <laughs> is because I am now two and a half years sober, but <laughs> cocktails and classics, um, yeah. you know, uh, for the show, we would be drinking signature cocktails inspired by the movie that we're watching. They were mocktails, you know, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. unless someone wanted a real cocktail. But I remember that day. Okay. So as a drag queen, you know, it's just... Uh, it's just assumed you're a high functioning alcoholic. Let's just like get that out of the way. Okay. Copy that. <laughs> but at that time, you know, I thought I was really cool that I, you know, like I could really hold my liquor and my signature drink was just vodka and ice. And I thought <laughs> it was like I was trying to impress frat boys wherever I went with like how well I could hold my liquor. I remember everyone else that um, that day had other projects or other things they were doing that day. So no one else was drinking except for me. And then not only was I drinking the signature cocktails, but like um, some queen on set was like making sure I had a personal little mug of vodka and ice and I was like really feeling my oats the whole day and then I remember having um 
and this is well before I quit drinking, but I remember having like anxiety of like, did I drink too much? Did I get drunk today on set with Michael Yuri? Could everyone tell I was drunk? Oh my God. Are oh. they never going to invite me back because I got too tipsy on the cocktails part of the cocktails and classics. And I, I had to text Drew Drogi yeah. to like talk me down off of this oh. anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> and Drew was so sweet. He was like, oh, honey, I've been so wasted on that set before. Don't worry. No one, no one was counting oh, sure. how many drinks you're having. But, you know, if you're at that point where you're kind of like having those anxiety oh, spirals totally. about drinking, it's probably time to check in with your relationship. To alcohol. Oh, wow. But no, um, I don't I didn't, I didn't remember that at all. I didn't remember that you had that you were actually drinking at all. Or maybe I didn't well, even know. Maybe maybe I was just a very sneaky alcoholic then. No, but, because sometimes, because uh, <laughs> there were times when we did know, and it wasn't helping. <laughs> and, and there were times when, you know, like, we, if we had a bunch of episodes, we had to, like, we couldn't really mm-hmm. drink. But sometimes we would drink if it was, like, you know, at the end of, at the end, you know, because we would also shoot out of order sometimes. And yeah. So you had to, you had to sort of be careful. And, um, but, but. Yeah. It, it it worked. It, it, that Poseidon Adventure episode was my favorite we ever did. <laughs> it was so good. And was that that episode where we had all the breakaway glass and yes. I was like the one assigned to all the breakaway glass and I just broke everything I possibly could. And that's exactly what we're talking about with like finding those moments and yeah. finding a, a way to you know, give yourself some action that like helps you stand out in a positive way. But I remember breaking everything that was handed to me. (laughs) Yes. Fearlessly. (laughs) Just fearlessly. Hilarious. I want to circle back to Ugly Betty for one last question. Um, And I know this is all just made up in my head, but (laughs) working with Vanessa Williams so um, intimately on that show and then Bernadette Peters also being Mm. a recurring character on that show. um, Theater fans will know they have both played um, the witch in Into the Woods in very, very big ways. Bernadette Peters originated the role on Broadway and then Vanessa Williams did the revival and kind of, you know, like re-envisioned the role on Broadway. I just want to know, were there ever like witch battles backstage? (laughs) Do they ever like both do the greens, greens, nothing but greens rap to see who could do it better? Um, What was it like? Were you ever standing in between Bernadette Peters and Vanessa Williams and just feeling like a leaf in in a torrential windstorm? I I, I once, it happened once and I literally caught fire. Um, (laughs) No, that's such a, I love that you asked that question. So, so obviously like the set had to be team Vanessa all the time Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. she was, you know, um, and and I will also say th- th- that getting Bernadette on the show was my doing. I'll take oh, credit. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> this role came up, and uh, they had a different idea for like somebody sort of like really tough. And I was like, "What about Bernadette?" And the casting director was was a good friend of mine, and, and he was like, "Let me let me run it back. Let me run it up the flagpole." And 
because they, they'd had somebody and, they, and it fell through and it was a totally different idea. And then I was like, what about Bernadette? Because we were in New York at the time. We were shooting in New York. The amazing people on. Patty Lapone played my mother. And mm-hmm. we'd had Christina, Ever, uh, Christina um, Ebersole and Donna Murphy. We'd had all these amazing. And I was like, we got to get Bernadette. And this was going to be a... So, um, so, so I'm sort of the reason that she got the, she got, she got on, on the show and they were really great to each other. I mean, they were so sweet to each other. You know, Bernadette is so sweet and supportive and she loved, uh, she loved that. But, oh, I remember actually asking her, like, what was it like going and seeing Vanessa do it? Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, I thought that there was a lot of things that they figured out. They were really wonderful. They had some really good things that they, that they, mm-hmm. she was so supportive and so sweet and, 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 and so lovely. But, you know, like we also, like we had Bernadette and Patty, two, two Mama Roses. Yeah. Who, who was, who was the big old flaming queer who cast this show? <laughs> because, <laughs> because when you list all the Broadway divas who was on the show. I know. Um, well, what? so we had we had a few different casting directors over the years, but uh, Marco Panette was uh, one of the executive producers when when the Patty Lapone thing happened, and uh, and I think that was also he was also kind of running the show when Betty White did the show, and uh, and 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 then we moved to New York, and Jeff Soffer became the casting director. He's now a manager, and and he was like. He was like, any queen I can get, any diva I can get, I will mm-hmm. get. And we had, uh, I mean, we had all of the, all, I mean, it was like, it was like, it was like walking through Midtown on our set. <laughs> there was so many. I have a photo that, uh, of a day that we had Vanessa on set, Judith Light, who was a regular on the show. Uh-huh. Um, we had uh, Baranski mm-hmm. and... Crit- Okay. Christine Baranski. And- Christine Baranski. <laughs> Remind me to circle back to Christine okay. Baranski, but you go <laughs> on. <laughs> it was Christine Baranski, Judith Light, and Vanessa Williams on set at the same time. Oh and, in the same scene, I think. And <laughs> I got a photo. They didn't know it, but I took a photo of it. And I, it is a photo that I will forever cherish this moment where these three incredible gay icons yeah. are sitting on our set just gab just chatting in director's chairs just chatting and you know <laughs> with perfect legs and uh you know incredible makeup it was uh it, it was really it was really great so Baranski. As, well i was gonna ask as a theater actor yourself as as a gay man yourself, and I'm assuming as a worshiper of the witches of Broadway, um, <laughs> who who would you say was the the guest star that um, did anyone make you lightheaded? Did anyone mm. um, did meeting anyone make you think you were going to faint in the moment? <laughs> yeah, Bernadette for sure. It was Bernadette. Mm-hmm. I, I I had not met her until she was at the read through. She was like, you know, I feel like th- like like when wh- whenever it is that you fall in love with this business we call show like the, the like that period of time it's usually like your teenager maybe early 20s but like there's that period where like you you the, the stuff that like makes you want to do it really sinks in and those uh-huh. people are the ones that i find i get starstruck around and yeah. i've i've met a few of them like you know bernadette peters i met tom hanks one time uh, I was in a room with Jack Nicholson one time, uh, you know, like there's these people that like the, their their work or their movies or whatever. Martin Short. Oh, my gosh. I met him one time. I almost crapped my pants. Like these people, 
that you just like that like they still they still are that to you do you know what i mean like 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 the, the, you'll mm-hmm. always be 12 and they'll always be perfect yes. and 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 like <clears throat> and and that was bernadette for me and um I, i have since gotten to know her kind of well like like I've done her her Broadway barks a lot and and we've even like like hung out a couple of times and I've seen her in a million things and she's come to see me in things um but that day when she was in our read through and I was like I have to I have you know like I have license to introduce myself I'm a, you know I'm on the show I have scenes with her yeah I I I can just go up and say hello to her <laughs> yeah I was so nervous and she was so nice and so gracious and 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 like she's just so sweet and fun and loves working and I, I, but like truly terrified to meet her yeah. truly like 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 shaking um well that I mean those are all amazing stories and um actually brings us well into my um <laughs> Christine Bransky oh, <laughs> throwaway which is just that um I think anyone who knew me in my life knew I was um queer from a very very young age and it was all due to <laughs> like if, if there was any doubts it was that at like um seven or eight years old I remember I had to do a report on myself for my Um, whatever grade I was in at the time. And one of the questions was, who is your favorite actor? And I remember being home with my family and having to ask my mom how to spell Christine Baranski for my favorite actor at like eight years old. Every other person in the class put like um, Leonardo DiCaprio or Jim Carrey or like Eddie Murphy. And I was like... (laughs) Oh, Christine Baranski would definitely be in my top three. Yeah, the sidekick from Sybil. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's where I loved her from. Oh, oh um. 100%. She was unbelievable on that show. Completely um, brilliant. I didn't know what drunk was until I saw her on that show. <laughs> she I, was incredible. Yeah. Sybil, for Christine Baranski alone, Sybil was a um, perfect companion piece to Absolutely Fabulous. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 100%. Can I tell you that Christine Baranski, so I, I worked with her only a little bit on Ugly Betty, and that mm-hmm. was so long ago now. I mean, that was, the show premiered 15 years ago. And so if, when she came on, it was probably 11 years ago, 12 years ago. I don't, I don't know, but... She, we had a few scenes together and then I was on The Good Wife and The Good Fight, but I never had scenes with her. Mm-hmm. And every time I've ever been around her at a Good Wife function or a, whatever, she always remembers me. She always remembers my name. And then I was at a, 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 a celebration of Terrence McNally and she's a former Terrence, she was a Terrence McNally actor. And mm-hmm. it was me and, and a few other, you know, a few other people. And then like her and Nathan Lane. And like, it was a pretty cool event. And yeah. we were all standing in a line on a red carpet taking photos. And while we're taking photos, she goes, Michael, how was Hamlet? Because I had just, <laughs> I had just played Hamlet in Washington, D.C. And she knew that. She knew so- that I had gone and played Hamlet and she wanted to know what it was like. Michael, like we're getting our photos taken. She says across Nathan Lane, Nathan, move over. Michael, how was Hamlet? It was like I had. It was the most adult actory I have ever felt. I'm having a conversation about my performance as Hamlet with Christine Baranski 
genius, Christine Baranski. She's cool. She's good people. She seems very cool. I mean, every part that she plays has this has this just like effortless coolness about it. You know, yeah. no matter the role, she always just seems like really chill and relaxed. You know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, <laughs> Even when she plays a nerd, like in Mamma Mia, she's still yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. So basically what you're saying is Christine Bransky has a Google alert set up for your name (laughs) (laughs) and tracks your career through that way. You mentioned the people that like um, (laughs) made you want to be an actor and how those performances stick with you. Um, I know in, in my experiences, like as a drag performer and, you know, starting at age 15 and before I started to sing live and before I started to to do like theatrical drag, I was lip syncing to Broadway songs at, at bars and clubs and stuff. And so anyone I lip synced to for a long, long time, like now, if I get the chance to meet them in real life, it's like, oh my God, to hear your oh, voice wow. speaking to me when I had to like memorize your voice in all these songs and... Um, it just reminded wow. me of, and you mentioned Christine Ebersol being on Ugly Betty. I shared a dressing room with her in Provincetown one year, and I just, I didn't know, you know, we were sharing a dressing room, doing our makeup across the room from each other, and I didn't want to bug her, but I also didn't know if I'd ever have an opportunity like this mm. again. So I had to say just little things to her here and there, like, <laughs> you know, every 20 minutes I'd chime in with something, some anecdote about, you know, Little Edie or Grey Gardens or mm. the fact that she voices... um uh, a, a very powerful character on one of my favorite animated shows, Steven Universe. And mm. she was so like kind about it, but also like, you know, very much like, I'm doing my makeup. So <laughs> <laughs> it was very, she would always look up from what she was doing, look me in the eyes and smile and nod and say, Yeah, thank you. And then back to makeup. And I was like, and then I had to like put myself in her shoes where it's like her show was first that evening. The only reason I was in the same, uh, I was in the dressing room that early is because I had to go hawk my wares at some other event earlier, (laughs) drum up ticket sales. And so I put my, like after the whole experience, I put myself in her shoes and I was like, oh my gosh, she is like Tony winning (laughs) Christine Ebersol in her dressing room and there's just a random drag queen there too (laughs) who's just like shouting anecdotes and fun facts about her at her you know (laughs) but so kind and so generous um so that was one of my experiences. Wow. You mentioned meeting um, Jack Nicholson, and well, I was I... in the room with him. I didn't meet him, oh. but I was I was in a, I was in a room. I was in the, it was at the Golden Globes. It was I, I was I, oh, I'll just be, the Golden Globes. You know, Ugly Betty won a Golden Globe, <laughs> and uh, I only went that one time, and it won. Ugly Betty won, and we all went up on stage. We'd only been on the air for a few months, and we won because you know the Golden Globes are crazy and like to do shit like that. <laughs> and we all went up on stage. 
and he he was in the front row and I was <laughs> on stage and there's actually if you watch the acceptance speech you can see me say to to Ashley Johnson look that's Jack Nicholson right there <laughs> and then you can see Selma Hayek turn around and go shh <laughs> <laughs> and, and my best friend growing up, Stuart Boslow, he called me and he was like, were you staring at Jack Nicholson on stage during the Golden Globes? And I said, you could see that? <laughs> oh, but I didn't meet him. I didn't talk to him. I didn't meet him. But he was, he was like, he's like, I mean, I think he's like the greatest actor ever. And Yeah, th- uh, that's what I was going to say is in my notes, in my extensive notes on you oh. <laughs> for this episode, um, <laughs> Um, I've uh, uh, you've said before that it was watching Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson in Batman that yeah. was one of the things that made you want to be an actor because um, uh, you admired how they lost themselves and fully became the characters in that film. And we're not yeah. just talking about like you know they didn't just become like uh, you know <laughs> like <laughs> just any old characters. They were Batman. <laughs> And the Joker. The Joker. <laughs> and this was the first live action, besides the Batman TV show, this is the very first Batman film. Yeah, yeah. Directed by Tim Burton. I mean, I think most gays are more familiar with um, Batman Returns because yes. of the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman oh. factor. Yes. But um, that two, movie... two posters <laughs> of Michelle Pfeiffer on my wall. Um, in, in, as Catwoman <laughs> and all of the others too but Batman was the first and also that was the first time because I also was a fan of the, the, the Adam West show which mm-hmm. was the cheesy 60s version of Batman mm-hmm. and like and that Batman the Tim Burton Batman was like when I understood genre it, yeah. not only like were the actors so good I was like I was nine years old and I was like oh wait a minute this is the same story and the same characters, but a completely different. And like you look at that movie now, and it seems sort of silly. But at the time, it was so dark. Everyone yeah. thought that these movies are so dark, and and that, and so not like not only was I like I get acting now from from these actors, but I was like I get movies. I get like what what like genre is and what what a, like, what a director does. Yeah, it was really it was big. <laughs> yeah, I mean, early Tim Burton was very. Oh formative right. for me I, I i don't want to sound like such an old crone now but it's like i liked it better when he did claymation <laughs> all this cgi it hurts my eyes you know <laughs> um, <laughs> so oh, i'd but like now, to I mean, beetlejuice and edward scissorhands and oh they stand um, out so oh, well and on. it's so you know it they're so iconic and it was done with f- fucking clay and yeah. and camera tricks and um practical um movie magic before yeah. computers could do literally everything for us so i oh, think no. there's definitely something to be said for practical magic on sets you know oh, for yeah. for the special tricks and stuff and i wish there were more directors leaning into that these days but also like you can't deny that computers make all kinds of things possible and blah 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 but I just want to go back to fucking like when it's like the the quick cut from like a, a a human playing the role and then all of a sudden it cuts to them and they're made out of clay and they're stretching their heads. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
taking a hard left turn, which is something Let's. I like to do a lot in my podcast. Um, so um, you came out um, in 2009 um, by announcing it on your uh, website. Is that true? Is that, <laughs> is that, is that, that a faulty it? note that I have? <laughs> or why don't you do <laughs> I think I came out. In the advocate, I don't know. It was, you know, like it was a whimper. Whatever it was, it wasn't. <laughs> it was not a surprise, and then not a, not a, not a, not a. Big, May, and then uh, maybe your website just got updated as like. Maybe a... that's what. <laughs> Michael Fury is now gay. Um, <laughs> um, I don't remember. I don't remember actually. It's funny. I was trying to remember. Somebody asked me this recently. Like, what was the? And I don't really. It was such a like. It was such a you know a, um, a, 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 a small thing. Um, ultimately, it was, but but you know I had been advised not to come out. Of course, yeah. as we as we were in those days, um, I had been advised not to come out. And it's so wild to think about like, and it was I had been, I'd been on Ugly Betty. Ugly Betty was still on um, when I came out. But at first they were like, don't don't you know like if this show doesn't work, you know if this show gets canceled, you don't want to be you know known as gay because then what are you going to do? You're not going to get another job. And how did they explain how well you accessed that character, though? You're not going to get any like... straight actor playing that role <laughs> the way that you did. But you know what? It's something I've thought about. You know, I think about, like, I think about, like, like obviously, you watch that show and you're like, that is not a heterosexual man. There's no way that a heterosexual man would come up with that gay performance. Yeah, but that was the time where it, you know, that was the time where being outed was like a career killer. You know, coming right. out could be a career killer. But at, in the same vein, you could be accurately depicting a Nelly, Nelly gay man. <laughs> but if you said in your personal life, no, I'm straight, then everyone took it at face value. And it's like, I remember... You know, Sean Hayes, as an example, playing Jack on Will and Grace, but sure. then still having to maintain this this uh -huh. facade that he was a straight man out, outside of yeah. that character. And it was like, why did we need to believe that? Why was I that know. so important to people to watch this person delivering an amazing performance, but needing to know that he wasn't really gay in real yeah. life? I've thought about like how, you know, when I got that. So when I got the job, I was nobody. Nobody knew who I was. And I was just like, this is what I think. This is this is the idea I have. And I'm going for it. And it was described as bitchy gay assistant. That was the entire mm -hmm. description of the character. So I was like, great. <laughs> I can do that. And... That was that was what they wrote on my um, birth certificate. <laughs> uh, and so and so I went for it. And and you know you watch Sean Hayes at the beginning of Will and Grace when he was like nobody, nobody knew who he was, and he was totally closeted. Mm -hmm. and he's brilliant and like uh, you know like like the imagination is 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 f like flying out of every mm -hmm. orifice. And 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 I think about this. I think like if we had been if we had been out at that time, if we had been like gay and out at that at that time, we wouldn't have had the guts to go that far yeah. with a role like that. We would have been afraid to be so gay. We would have been like, no, my gay guy is macho. Or yeah. wow, or, that's such an interesting. And and then you to... think you see, you see like all these like hetero you know straight cis people playing gay. You know, and and often I've I've seen lots that do it really really well um, mm -hmm. when they just sort of 
allow themselves to be themselves, but they, they put on all this Nelly, they mm-hmm. add all this stuff to them and they're, and, and they were somehow fearless because then they could go on, you know, on, on, on a red, a red carpet or on a talk show and say, but I'm straight and, yeah. and mean it and actually mean yeah. it. And, and so they were able to like sort of go there. I remember hearing a story about, um, about this play um, called The Ritz, this another Terrence McNally play that they did um, back in the day, in the, I think in the 70s. And there was a gay, really, really flaming gay character. And they had this gay actor who was great and hilarious, but he couldn't do it. He, he couldn't go there. He was so afraid to go all the way there that they ended up having to fire him. It wasn't working. And they replaced him with F. Murray Abraham, who's totally straight and who was like, I'm not gay, but if I was gay, I would be like, I would be gay like this. I would be gay like this. And then he was like, great. And and Rita Moreno, I heard Rita Moreno tell this story. She was like, she was like, what I realized was you guys have spent so long being in the closet, you're afraid to be who you really are. Mm-hmm. And here comes this straight guy with all the confidence in the world. This, you know, this guy who who, who because commands. What's he got room. to lose? Because he's what's straight. He exactly. <laughs> right. And so he can really and he's talented. Mm-hmm. F. Abraham's a totally brilliant actor. So he can go there. And I feel like if I had been out of the closet. When I came up with Mark St. James, mm-hmm. or if Sean Hayes had been out of the closet when he came up with Jack, we would have it would we wouldn't have gotten the job. Yeah, because we wouldn't have been able to go there. Well, I have to, I just have to um, commend you and thank you really um, <laughs> for being one of the people who, when when it could have been extremely detrimental to to your career when you were on network television, when so much pressure is being put on you to be like a you know, um, to fit a certain mold to maintain your your rise in Hollywood, um, you had the courage to come out so that, you know, now here we are today where there's so many people making it big um, out from the beginning, yeah. you know, yeah. making careers being unapologetically queer and yeah. reshaping the way that queerness and gender roles are treated in Hollywood and in those um, mainstream media places. And in my mind, there's like, (laughs) I I wouldn't venture to list who would all be on this like Mount Rushmore of (laughs) of TV gayness. But I know that it's like, I know it's like, so far there's like you and Sean Hayes and Neil Patrick Harris and a recent addition, Jim Parsons, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Billy Porter, you know, Ellen, but we're all like a little nervous. Yeah. (laughs) Ellen's on the other side of the mountain. (laughs) (laughs) Giving her the side eye as a mountain. Imagine posing for a mountain. That would take Oh my god! <laughs> um. But I remember watching at my sister, my older sister, seven years older than I am, is is gay also, mm-hmm. and um, she was. Oh my god! Uh, Back in the day, we always said we would say, "What was there something in the breast milk?" <laughs> I remember that being my go-to thing whenever I heard a, a queer person queer had siblings. a queer sibling. It yeah. was like, "Whoa, nudge, nudge! Is there something in the breast milk?" You walk a walk, you know. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. In Texas, no less. And <laughs> and she was she was out sooner than I was. Um, I mean, obviously, because she's seven years older, but even but sooner in her life than I was. And she was super. Um, she she sat us all down. My fam- my whole family sat down together and watched the Ellen coming out episode. 
Mm-hmm. And I was a little kid and she was, I think a teenager, maybe she was in college by then, but um, we all watched that together. That was huge. That moment was massive. Yeah. Yeah. I still remember it. And it set a precedent that I reference a lot in my pod, in this podcast, um, which is when she came out, I think um, she was on the cover of People magazine and it was, you know, a big photo of her and it just said, yep, I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and then right. I remember the same thing happened for Lance Bass. <laughs> yep, yes. I'm gay. And I think possibly Neil Patrick Harris. And it mm-hmm. just set this precedent that when someone of a certain, you know, <laughs> yeah. standing came out, they had to do the obligatory, yep, I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, everyone's gay and you don't get on the cover of people just for coming out. (laughs) I mean, even even, you know, by the time I I came out, it was on my website. (laughs) I don't know how that that was. That was in my notes. I I might. I might be. I don't know. know, Maybe that's true. I don't remember. I don't have a website. I did have a website. There was a period where I had a website. Um, I, I, I got rid of it. Because um, it was because it was just terrible. But I, who uh, needs it? Maybe that's where. Maybe that's You're where Michael fucking Yuri. You don't need a website. The world is your website. Um, you know, I had such a nice time talking to you that we really only talked about two things. We talked about Ugly Betty, and then and then every last Broadway diva that. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> what else fucking but, is there? But you've had such a wonderful career. Um, you continue to have a wonderful career, and as I said. One day when there is a um, gay Mount Mount Rushmore, um, (laughs) I think you've cemented, uh, cemented your your place on that mountain. Um, Good. But thank you for being such a wonderful conversationalist. And I hope um, if people haven't gone back and watched Ugly Betty is all streamable somewhere. I can't remember, but I know I watched it in the pandemic. And um, yeah, it's on. I think it's on Amazon in America and it's on Disney. Okay. It's 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 you can you can find it (laughs) out there. I do have my compulsory questions um, oh, yes, to go I know. out yes. on. Okay. And and before I um, before I ask you those, just want to say I'm looking at this picture of you in um, oh. your Met Gala look, half tuxedo, half um, ball gown, designed by Christian Siriano, and it's just gorgeous. And it, um, you know, so many people try to do the half and half look and. You, you got to have a certain amount of self-awareness to pull it off. And I think you you wear this look with a lot of confidence oh, and a lot of, you know exactly what you're doing. So just wanted to give you snaps for that. I really appreciate that. That was a crazy, <laughs> I mean, the Met Gala is, that's my only time ever having been to the Met Gala. And it is, the, if there's anything that, that kills confidence, it's going to the Met Gala because it is such a crazy, huge, you wait in line on the red, to get onto the red carpet for over an hour. I wasn't <laughs> allowed a plus one. So I was alone, alone. In that, <laughs> That's why my... you had to do the half and half look. <laughs> you had to be your own date. <laughs> I was my own date. <laughs> I made friends with somebody who was also, you know, alone. Some people had plus ones, you know, but nobody got to cut the line except J-Lo. I watched J-Lo cut the line. Um, everybody else, I mean, I was in line, you know, at one point I turned around and Selma Hayek was behind me. And I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, hi, do you remember me? Remember me? <laughs> the remember when you, you told me to shush? <laughs> and 
she was like, oh my God, how are you? What have you been up to? And she pushed me out of the way and got in front of me. That's so good. So I have been publicly shushed and cut in front of by Salma Hayek. Um, wow. She sounds like your, she sounds like your grade school bully at this point. <laughs> Salma Hayek is bullying oh, you, Michael Yuri. Um, oh, I love her. She's great. I love her. <laughs> okay. Um, but, but, but then, but then like the red carpet is so intense and then you go and I mean, I was, you know, like once I was sitting down, I was sitting next to Aquafina and she would tell Edgy of four. I was like, this is great. I mean, Aquafina is so cool. And, you know, like, and then Cher performed. Um, but I'll tell you something. I was in bed by midnight that night. I did not go do it. I was like, I can't go. I can't go to a party. And, and I, what I learned is like everybody has a second look and they go uh-huh. and get a, they have a van and they change, you know, all that stuff. But I didn't know what I was doing. But it was Christian Siriano is such a genius. That was all him. He's such a genius. I sat down and he was like, what do you think camp is? And I was like, oh, I think I'm, a, I think I'm half rabbit. And, you know, I had all these stupid ideas. And he was like. He was like, no, I think you're, I think you're half man, half woman. And I was like, oh, wow. And, and then, and then that, and then from there it was like, but what does that mean? And, and, mm. and, 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 and where, and, and like, is it, is it really about gender or is it about, and it became this sort of, um, this m- more about, uh, femme butch thing. And like that, the, mm. the dress, the, the, the person with the dress had the beard mm-hmm. and tattoos and the person with the tuxedo was, in, was, was fully glammed and had heels. It was just brilliant. I mean, he's just so brilliant and, and, the, and it actually worked that the, like the, the garment actually worked. I could wear it. It was, it was, it was, it was incredible. So that was like a very special and amazing experience. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad that you liked it. Oh yeah. I'm glad to hear the backstory. I'm, uh, I always love hearing the thought that goes into looks, you know, because we only get to see what's on the body, but a lot of thought and work always goes into um, high profile looks like that. Many (laughs) fittings. I had several fittings and, and, and converse, lots of conversations. Welcome to being a drag queen, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm going to quickly blast okay. through my compulsory questions. Yes, You've course. been a wonderful guest, but Thank everyone you. wants to know, who is your celebrity crush today? Um, today, yesterday, and always, it's Kevin Bacon and Tremors. <laughs> no my answer ever, today, uh, oh. <laughs> no one's ever topped Kevin Bacon no for No one's you. ever worn jeans like Kevin oh. I was going to say you're my celebrity crush today because I'm looking at oh. you on this Zoom call and you look exactly how I remember you like oh. seven years ago. I don't know what pact with the devil with Jack Nicholson <laughs> that you made to, to just be frozen well, you know, in Jack time. Jack says I'm the, I'm the fifth witch. <laughs> my next question for you is, are you spiritual? Okay, this is a great. I I I I listened to your show, so I knew this was coming. <laughs> but I also, I, 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 if, if you'd asked me probably two months ago, I would have said no. But I'm doing this play right now called Chicken and Biscuits on mm-hmm. Broadway. That's about um, a black family funeral. It's about um, the patriarch of a black family has died, and the family is gathering to celebrate him and 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 bury him. And and I play um, this the the boyfriend of this of the grandson. Uh, and I've never been to uh, to a synagogue. I've never been to a church. Certainly, never been to a black church. So I've never experienced anything like that. And in the play, there is this long, and it's a comedy. Um, mm-hmm. And in the play, there's this long sermon 
at the funeral. That's brilliant. Norm Lewis, the great Norm Lewis, is the is the pastor delivering the sermon. That's hilarious and very moving and musical. Has all you know, like the, as as often happens in in these uh, mm-hmm. these kinds of churches, they, they, they becomes musical gospel music and and organ and all that stuff. And my character gets. Um, gets into it and i'm basically like i I basically every night um i i i sort of i sort of find it i sort of i sort of get the spirit Mm -hmm. and it it is not a religious experience for me it is a spiritual experience for me and i've always thought like my church is theater um i I do lots and lots of theater and i love the theater so much but this this is the i've never really and i've always i've never felt blessed before but being in this show doing this show i feel actually blessed like like literally blessed um and it is a it, so it's a very special experience i get to go do it right after we get off and <laughs> i love it so much i love the people i'm in it with and the people who are coming to see it and uh i i get to go get converted eight times a week and uh it's so <laughs> that certainly like, sounds like a spiritual experience it is for the first time in my life i'm i'm spiritual <laughs> well, I hope everyone um, who has the ability to goes to see you in Chicken and Biscuits on Broadway. And you. um, for your parting words, let us know what your go-to karaoke song is. <laughs> the go-to. So I'm uh, uh, my my the karaoke song I've done more than any is is horrible. <laughs> it's Neil Diamond's "I Am I Said." That's not a horrible song. It's a horrible choice, and it's only after too many drinks that I've gone on and I've thought I can do karaoke like it's drama school. Mm-hmm. And I get up and I sing "I Am I Said" by Neil Diamond, and it is pathetic. And nobody, and the, by the end of it, no one's listening. Oh. Uh, no one applauds, and I basically given a monologue. And sung badly, <laughs> and I and, and and immediately regret it. So that is the that is the worst karaoke song you could ever choose. I am I said by Neil Diamond. Well, theater kids at karaoke are essentially um, <laughs> terrorists. They're essentially a terrorist organization. Um, the theater kids at karaoke cannot. They are um, not to be trusted. Thank you so much, Michael, for your time today and your dazzling, sparkling conversation. Um, Have a wonderful show tonight. And I hope our paths cross soon. Oh, I hope so, too. um, Thank you. And this time I won't be secretly drinking vodka from a coffee mug. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, You Michael. Thank you so much. And thank you all so much for listening to Hi Jinx here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday, so make sure to search for Hi Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else, and I'll see you next Wednesday for some more Hi Jinx! Forever. To listen to Hi Jinx ad free and one day early, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Make sure to follow at Forever Dog Team and at Mom Podcasts on social and rate and review Hi Jinx five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi Jinx is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, aka 
Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, produced by Big Dipper, editing and sound design by Will Pitts, executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey.